Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 198. Today's big Bible question Who were the Anakim and the Raphaim? So, hello, friends. Happy Monday to you. Today's topic is another Bible mystery esque topic, much like yesterday's special on sea monsters and dragons. Tomorrow, we should be back to more normal and spiritual topics. Our Bible readings for today include Joshua 18 and 19, Psalm 149 and 150, Jeremiah 9, and Matthew 23. Now, I'd usually talk about Matthew 23 here because I think it's one of the most powerful passages in the scriptures where Jesus just, as I said, excoriates the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. But we've actually talked a good bit about our friends, the Pharisees, lately, so I decided to go with a more mysterious topic. That said, I probably mentioned it before, one of my very favorite Bible depictions is the Matthew videos from the Visual Bible Group. Now, you can actually watch the whole thing on YouTube, and if you come to our website, BibleReadingPodcast.com, and go to the episode link for today, which again, episode 197, you can click on the YouTube video I have embedded at BibleReadingPodcast.com, and see Matthew chapter 23 there, word for word from the scriptures, and it's amazing. Uh, The actor that portrays Jesus there is just fantastic, and I, I can't recommend the Matthew videos enough. Very much worth your time watching. Now, our topic for the day is the Raphaim and the Anakim, two very mysterious people groups in the Canaanite regions. Well, what makes them so mysterious, I hear you asking? Well, it's because of passages like these. Deuteronomy 2, 20-21 says, This too used to be regarded as the land of the Rephaim. The Rephaim lived there previously, though the Ammonites called them the Zamzumim, <laughs> a great and numerous people, tall as the Anakim. The Lord destroyed the Rephaim at the advance of the Ammonites so that they drove them out and settled in their place. Or Deuteronomy 2, 10-12, the Imim, a great and numerous people as tall as the Anakim had previously lived there. They were also regarded as Rephaim, like the Anakim, though the Moabites called them Imim. All right, or Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 3. Listen, Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan to enter and drive out nations greater and stronger than you with large cities fortified to the heavens. The people are strong and tall, the descendants of the Anakim. You know about them, and you have heard it said about them, who can stand up to the sons of Anak? But understand that today the Lord your God will cross over ahead of you as a consuming fire. He will devastate and subdue them before you. You will drive them out and destroy them swiftly, as the Lord has told you. So, so far, not a ton of mystery here. The Anakim and the Rephaim, or Imim, are obviously strong, tall, and fearsome. But, you know, maybe they're just like some tall people groups uh, in the world today. Do you happen to know what country boasts the tallest men in the world? Well, it would appear that just by a hair's breadth that Bosnia and Herzegovina holds that title, followed very closely by the Netherlands. Both countries feature the average height of their men as being right around six feet tall, which sounds really, really tall compared to the average height of men from Indonesia, where they go five foot two and a quarter inches. 
on average in Indonesia. Now, we do have listeners in the Netherlands and Indonesia, not trying to offend any of you guys, but just saying that uh, perhaps the Anakim and the Rephaim, could they have been the Bosnians and the Dutch of their day? Well, maybe, but we're not done talking about what the Bible says about these groups. For instance, Deuteronomy 3, 10 and 11 says, All the cities of the plateau, Gilead and Bashan, as far as Salak and Edri, cities of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Only King Og of Bashan was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. His bed was made of iron. Isn't it in Rabbah of the Ammonites? It is thirteen and a half feet long and six feet wide by a standard measure. Now, our friend Og gets quite a few mentions in the Old Testament for an enemy king, almost two dozen, and he even appears in a psalm. Psalm 135 says, He struck down the first, this is talking about the Lord, the Lord struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both people and animals. He sent signs and wonders against you, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his officials. He struck down mighty nations and slaughtered mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. He gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. And hey, as a bit of a trivia question, one of my best friends is named Og, so how about that? Although I don't think this guy, tall, he is tall, I don't think he's a genuine Rephaim, though, at least he hasn't told me if he was. Now, the Og in the Bible of Bashan was a Rephaim remnant, and he was a mighty warrior and king. God even told Moses not to be afraid of him before the battle in which Og was defeated, so he obviously had a pretty profound and scary reputation. Was he a giant? I mean, not just an NBA player, kind of tall, but like a legitimate giant. Well, his bed, and the Hebrew there word there, could all, it could also be translated as casket sarcophagus. So we're not sure if it was his bed or his casket, but his bed was huge. Six feet wide, that's not too big. Uh, a good king-size bed is going to be about six feet wide. But the uh, 13 feet long part... That's a long, long bed. Now, I know, I know, just because a man has a 13-foot-long bed or casket doesn't automatically mean he was super tall, but it's certainly eyebrow-raising. Now, here's another cool loo for us. Joshua 11, 21 and 22. At that time, Joshua proceeded to exterminate the Anakim from the hill country, Hebron, Debir, Anab, all the hill country of Judah and of Israel. Joshua completely destroyed them with their cities. No Anakim were left in the land of the Israelites, except for some remaining in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. Uh, did you catch that in verse 22? The only Anakim left in Israel after Joshua's conquest went to Gaza, Ashdod, and Gath. Does that sound familiar? You guys know any big people from Gath? Well, how about 1 Samuel 17, verses 3 through 7. The Philistines were standing on a hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath, from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall, and wore a bronze helmet and bronze scale armor, 
that weighed 125 pounds. There was bronze armor on his shins and a bronze javelin was slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield bearer was walking in front of him. So, Goliath was a big, big man. Now, there's some discussion as to exactly how tall he was, because the Bible gives his measurements in cubits, not feet. And we're not 100% sure what a cubit actually was during King David's day, because a cubit is a measurement based on the length from a man's elbow to the tip of his middle finger. A measurement that's quite different if you're an average Indonesian or an average Dutchman. Now, we generally hold that a biblical cubit was about 18 inches. A cubit for me is about 19 and a quarter inches. I just measured it, and incidentally, if you try to measure your own cubit, I will tell you that measuring a cubit on yourself after midnight when everybody has gone to bed is not very easy. It's kind of hard to get at your elbows. Well, anyway... Further complicating matters is that the LXX, or the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, and the Dead Sea Scrolls both list Goliath's height as 6 feet 6 inches. Still a large man, especially for the time, but not necessarily what we would call a literal giant. Now that said, I actually tend to go more towards the higher height there, Because there's one other measurement there that impresses me. Well, of course, the armor weighing 125 pounds. That's some heavy armor, man. But that spearhead weight. um, Scholars seem a little more sure of the weight there. And the Bible says that the head of his spear weighed 15 pounds. Now, just for comparison's sake, two gallons of milk weighs 16 pounds. So imagine wielding a spear with almost two full gallons of milk strapped to the end of it. That's pretty heavy for most mortal men. And Goliath wasn't the only giant man in Gath either, at least according to a couple other passages of Scripture, like First Chronicles 21-8, through which says, After this, a war broke out with the Philistines at Gezer. At that time, Sibachai the Hushathite killed Sapai, a descendant of the Rephaim, and the Philistines were subdued. Once again, there was a battle with the Philistines, and Elhanan, son of Jair, killed Lachmi, the brother of Goliath of Gath. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. There was still another battle at Gath, where there was a man of extraordinary stature with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in all. He, too, was descended from the giant. When he taunted Israel... Jonathan, son of David's brother Shammai, killed him. These were the descendants of the giants of the giant in Gath, killed by David and his soldiers. Well, there's also Ishbi Binob, which is mentioned in 2 Samuel 31:15 through 17, which says the Philistines again waged war against Israel. David went down with his soldiers, and they fought the Philistines, but David became exhausted. Then Ishbi Binob, one of the descendants of the giant whose bronze spear weighed about eight pounds and who wore new armor intended to kill David. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to his aid, struck the Philistine, and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, You must never again go out with us to battle. You must not extinguish the lamp of Israel. 
So verse 16 in 2 Samuel 31 tells us that Ishbi Benob was one of the sons or descendants of, quote, the giant. Now, it's a curious word there, right? The Hebrew word that the translators of the CSB rendered giant is Rapha, which is the singular of Rephaim. Though Rephaim means more than one Rapha. And there's your connection. Goliath of Gath, the most famous giant in history, was considered as one of the Rephaim. Interestingly, a case could also be made that he was an Anakim as well, given Joshua 11.22, we already mentioned it, which says, No Anakim were left in the land of the Israelites except for those in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So we can be reasonably sure that either Goliath, that Goliath was either a Rephaim or an Anakim or both. It's possible that he was a descendant of Anak, as Joshua 11.22 seems to imply, and that he was also called a Rapha because that was the Hebrew word for giant. Which brings us to one of my very favorite verses in the King James Bible. Not because it's super spiritual, because it's super chilling. Genesis 6-4 says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Oh, giants on the earth in those days, right? What an amazing verse. Now, most modern translations, however, don't render that Hebrew word there as giants, but they actually just transliterate the word as Nephilim. Now, what transliterate means, you take a word in a foreign language and you pretty much reproduce it as nearly as you can in the language you're translating it into. So why would they do that with Nephilim? Because the fact of the matter is, we have no earthly idea what a Nephilim is. Perhaps they're the offspring of the sons of God and the daughters of men mentioned in that same verse. And it seems to me like they are, but I will admit not everybody agrees with me on that, and so we can't be 100% certain. However, we do know this, that Goliath was very likely a direct descendant of these Nephilim. And we know that from Numbers 13, 32 through 33, which says, The land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seen the same to them. And that brings us to our conclusion. Who were the Rephaim and the Anakim? It's impossible to be sure, but it seems fairly certain that they were very, very large, maybe giants, impressively strong descendants of the Nephilim, and as such, possibly, I'd say probably, not everybody would agree, offshoots of the union between the sons of God and the daughters of men. So do you want more info on the Nephilim? Be sure to check out episode 6 of the Bible Reading Podcast, which we recorded way back in January, or episode 33, uh, which was called Who Were the Sons of God, which we recorded in February. So episode 6, Who Were the Nephilim? Episode 33, Who Were the Sons of God? All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that half as much as I did, because that is a fascinating topic for me. I wouldn't say we solved the mystery, but I think we had a fun time trying to. Joshua chapter 18, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The entire Israelite community assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land had been subdued before them, but seven tribes among the Israelites were left who had not divided up their inheritance. 
So Joshua asked the Israelites, How long will you delay going out to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, gave you? Appoint for yourselves three men from each tribe, and I will send them out. They are to go and survey the land, write a description of it for the purpose of their inheritance, and return to me. Then they are to divide it into seven portions. Judah is to remain in its territory in the south, and Joseph's family in their territory to the north. When you have written a description of the seven portions of the land and brought it to me, I will cast lots for you here in the presence of the Lord our God. But the Levites among you do not get a portion, because their inheritance is the priesthood of the Lord. Gad, Reuben, and the half-trab of Manasseh have taken their inheritance beyond the Jordan to the east, which Moses the Lord's servant gave them. As the men prepared to go, Joshua commanded them to write down a description of the land, saying, Go and survey the land, write a description of it, and return to me. I will then cast lots for you here in Shiloh in the presence of the Lord. So the men left, went through the land, and described it by towns in a document of seven sections. They returned to Joshua at the camp in Shiloh. Joshua cast lots for them at Shiloh in the presence of the Lord, where he distributed the land to the Israelites according to their divisions. The lot came up for the tribe of Benjamin's descendants by their clans, and their allotted territory lay between Judah's descendants and Joseph's descendants. Their border on the north side began at the Jordan, ascended to the slope of Jericho on the north, through the hill country westward, and ended at the wilderness around beth From there, the border went toward Luz, to the southern slope of Luz, that is Bethel. It went down by Ataroth-Adar, over the hill south of lower beth On the west side, from the hill facing beth on the south, the border curved, turning southward, and ended at Kiriath-Baal, that is Kiriath-Jerim, a city of the descendants of Judah. This was the west side of their border. The south side began at the edge of Kiriath-Jerim, and the border extended westward. It went to the spring at the waters of Nephtoa. The border descended to the foot of the hill that faces Ben-Hanam Valley and at the northern end of the Rephaim Valley. It ran down Hinnom Valley towards the south Jebusite slope and downward to En-Rogel. It curved northward and went to En-Shemish and on to Geloth, which is opposite the ascent of Adumim and continued down to the stone of Bohan, son of Reuben. Then it went north to the slope opposite the Arabah and proceeded into the plains. The border continued to the north slope of Beth Hagla and ended at the northern bay of the Dead Sea, at the southern end of the Jordan. This was the southern border. Then the Jordan border formed the border on the east side. This was the inheritance of Benjamin's descendants by their clans, according to its surrounding borders. These were the cities of the tribe of Benjamin's descendants by their clans. Jericho, Beth Hagla, Emek Keziz, Beth Arabah, Zimarim, Bethel, Avim, Para, Ophrah, Shephar, Ammoni, Afni, and Geba, twelve cities with their settlements, Gibeon, Ramah, Beeroth, Mizpah, Shephira, Motzah, Rekim, Irpil, Terelah, Zila, Haleph, Jabus, that is Jerusalem, Gibeah, and Kiriath. 14 cities with their descendants, their settlements. This was the inheritance for Benjamin's descendants by their clans. Joshua chapter 19 verse 1. The second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of his descendants by their clans, but their inheritance was within the inheritance given to Judah's descendants. Their inheritance included Beersheba, or Sheba, Molada, Hatzer, Shual, Bela, Etzem, Eltulad, Bethul, Horma, Ziklag, Beth Mark, Kaboth, Hatsar Susa, Beth Labaoth, and Sharuhim, thirteen cities with their inha- with their settlements, Ain, Rimon, Ether, and Ashan, four cities with their settlements, and all the settlements surrounding these cities as far as Belath, 
Be'ir, Ramah in the south. This was the inheritance of the tribe of Simeon's descendant by their clans. The inheritance of Simeon's descendants was within the territory of Judah's descendants because the share for Judah's descendants was too large. So Simeon's descendants received an inheritance within Judah's portion. The third lot came up for Zebulon's descendants by their clans. The territory of their inheritance stretched as far as the Sarid. Their border went up westward to Marilah, reached Dabalsheth, and met the brook east of Jokneam. From Sarad, it turned east along the border of Chislop-Tabor, went to Dabareth, and went up to Japhia. From there, it went due east to Gath-Hefer and Eth-Kazin. It extended to Ramon, cor- curving around the- to Nea. The border then circled around Nea on the north to Hanathan and ended at Iptah, El Valley, along with Ketoth, Nahalil, Shimron, Adala, and Bethlehem, twelve cities with their settlements. This was the inheritance of Zebulon's descendants by their clans, these cities with their settlements. Issachar's inheritance. The fourth lot came out for the tribe of Issachar's descendants by their clans. Their territory went to Jezreel and included Chezaloth, Shunim, Hafarim, Shion, Anaharath, Rabith, Kishion, Ebez, Rameth, En-Ganim, En-Hadah, and Beth-Pazaz. The border reached Tabor, Shahazumah, and Beth-Shemesh, and ended at the Jordan, sixteen cities with their settlements. This was the inheritance of the tribe of Issachar's descendants by their clans, the cities with their settlements. The fifth lot came out for the tribe of Asher's descendants by their clans. Their boundary included Helkath, Hali, Betan, Akshaf, Alamelech, Amad, and Mashal, and reached westward to Carmel and Shihor Lipnath. It turned eastward to Beth Dagon, reached Zebulon and Iftael Valley, north toward Beth Emek and Nael, and went north to Kabul, Ebron, Rehob, Haman, and Canaan, as far as Greater Sidon. The boundary then turned to Ramah, as far as the fortified city of Tyre. It turned back to Hosa and ended at the Mediterranean Sea, including Mahaleb, Aksib, Uma, Afek, and Rehob, 22 cities with their settlements. This was the inheritance of the tribe of Asher's descendants by their clans, these cities with their settlements. The sixth lot came out for Naphtali's descendants by their clans. Their boundary went from Halef and from the oak in Za'an-Anim, including Adami-Nekeb and Japneel, as far as Lakum and ended at the Jordan. To the west, the boundary turned to Aznoth-Tabor and went from there to Hukok, reaching Zebulon in the south, Asher on the west, and Judah at the Jordan on the east. The fortified cities were Zedim, Zer, Hamath, Rakath, Shinareth, Adama, Rama, Hetzor, Kadesh, Edri, Inhazor, Iron, Migdal-El, Horam, Beth-Anath, and Beth-Shemesh, 19 cities with their settlements. This was the inheritance of the tribe of Naphtali's descendants by their clans, the cities with their settlements. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of Dan's descendants by their clans. The territory of their inheritance included Zorah, Eshtaol, Ir-Shemesh, Shalalabin, Ajalon, Ithla, Elon, Timna, Ekron, Elteka, Gibbethon, Be'eleth, Jehud, Beni Barak, Gath Ramon, Mejarkon, and Rakan, with the territory facing Joppa. When the territory of the descendants of Dan slipped out of their control, they went up and fought against Leshem, captured it, and struck it down with a sword. So they took possession of it, lived there, and renamed Leshem after their ancestor Dan. This was the inheritance of the tribe of Dan's descendants by their clans, 
these cities with their settlements. When they had finished distributing land into territories, the Israelites gave Joshua son of Nun an inheritance among them. By the Lord's command, they gave him the city of Timnath-Serah in the hill country of Ephraim, which he requested. He rebuilt the city and lived in it. These were the portions that the priest Eleazar, Joshua son of Nun, and the family heads distributed to the Israelite tribes by lot at Shiloh in the Lord's presence at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing up the land. Psalm 149 verse 1. Hallelujah! Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel celebrate its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the faithful celebrate in triumphal glory. Let them shout for joy on their beds. Let the exaltation of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands, inflicting vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, binding their kings with chains and their dignitaries with iron shackles, carrying out the judgment decreed against them. This honor is for all his faithful people. Hallelujah. Psalm 150. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with the blast of a ram's horn. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1. If my head were a flowing spring, my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night over the slain of my dear people. If only I had a traveler's lodging place in the wilderness, I would abandon my people and depart from them, for they are all adulterers, a solemn assembly of treacherous people. They bent their tongues like their bows, lies, and not faithfulness prevail in the land, for they proceed from one evil to another, and they do not take me into account. This is the Lord's declaration. Everyone has to be on guard against his friend. Don't trust any brother, for every brother will certainly deceive, and every friend spreads slander. Each one betrays his friend. No one tells the truth. They've taught their tongues to speak lies. They wear themselves out doing wrong. You live in a world of deception. In their deception, they refuse to know me. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, this is what the Lord of armies says. I am about to refine them and test them. For what else can I do because of my dear people? Their tongues are deadly arrows. They speak deception with his mouth. One speaks peaceably with his friend, but inwardly he sets up an ambush. Should I not punish them for these things? This is the Lord's declaration. Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? I will raise a weeping and a lament over the mountains, a dirge over the wilderness grazing land, for they have been so scorched that no one passes through. The sound of cattle is no longer heard. From the birds of the sky to the animals, everything has fled. They have gone away. I will make Jerusalem a heap of rubble, a jackal's den. I will make the cities of Judah a desolation, an uninhabited place. Who is the person wise enough to understand this? Who is the Lord spoken to that he may explain it? Why is the land destroyed and scorched like a wilderness so that no one can pass through? The Lord said, It is because they abandoned my instruction, which I set before them, and did not obey my voice or walk according to it. Instead, they followed the stubbornness of their hearts and followed the Baals as their ancestors taught them. Therefore, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says, I am about to feed this people wormwood and give them poisonous water to drink. 
I will scatter them among the nations that they and their ancestors have not known. I will send a sword after them until I have finished them off. This is what the Lord of Armies says. Consider and summon the women who mourn. Send for the skillful women. Let them come quickly to raise a lament over us so that our eyes may overflow with tears. Our eyelids be soaked with weeping. For a sound of lamentation is heard from Zion. How devastated we are. We are greatly ashamed for we have abandoned the land. Our dwellings have been torn down. Now hear the word of the Lord, you women. Pay attention to the words from his mouth. Teach your daughters a lament and one another a dirge. For death has climbed through our windows. It has entered our fortresses, cutting off children from the streets and young men from the squares. Speak as follows. This is what the Lord declares. Human corpses will fall like manure on the surface of the field, like newly cut grain after the reaper with no one to gather it. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will punish all the circumcised yet uncircumcised, Egypt, Judah, Edom, the Ammonites, Moab, and all the inhabitants of the desert who clip the hair on their temples. All these nations are uncircumcised, and the whole house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi by people. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher and you are all brothers and sisters. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces for you don't go in and you don't allow those entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to make one convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever takes an oath by the temple, it means nothing, but whoever takes an oath by the gold of the temple is bound by his oath. Blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? Also, whoever takes an oath by the altar, it means nothing, but whoever takes an oath by the gift that is on it is bound by his oath. Blind people, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, the one who takes an oath by the altar takes an oath by it and by everything on it. The one who takes an oath by the temple takes an oath by it and by him who dwells in it. And the one who takes an oath by heaven takes an oath by God's throne and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay a tenth of mint and dill and cumin, and yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guides! 
You strain out a gnat, but gulp down a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees! First clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, If we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we wouldn't have taken part with them in shedding the prophets' blood. So you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murder the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your ancestors' sins. Snakes! Brood of vipers! How can you escape being condemned to hell? This is why I am sending you prophets, sages, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. So all the righteous blood shed on the earth will be charged to you, from the, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I tell you, all these things will come on this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. And Lord, we do say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Good day, friends, and Godspeed to you.